Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, morning, y'all. It's a perfect forecast out there. Hope you're enjoying your morning if you're up already. If not, no reason to get up in any hurry. It's going to be beautiful all day long. No rain planned. A lot of sunshine. Great day to go hiking. The desert's all green and wet. Can't probably start a fire out there if you tried to. And, uh, you know, it's a great time to be out in the Arizona deserts. If you haven't been to the Kofa Mountains, I recommend them. They're pretty this time of year. You can go to Palm Canyon. You can go down to the Lazy River. It's a little chilly to swim, but kind of fun to look at. And if you like fishing, the weather's fine. Anyway, welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, live from Sunny Slope, Arizona, where the sun hasn't quite risen yet. But it's on the way, folks. And uh, we have the lovely Shira here on the phone. Phones and music, give her a call. Put her to work. The number to call 602 277 5827. That's 277 KTAR. We can talk about uh, the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow it. But most importantly, if you're doing something different, if you have a solution for us, a different kind of plant you're growing, a different style, technique, something we can learn, we're all here to share. There's a lot of different ways to do things. And uh, I probably killed more plants than anybody listening to this program and i've had more experience at killing plants so and uh, had the opportunity to grow more so killed more but uh, anyway we can certainly uh, have our failures but with failures come successes early hopefully do and that's how we learn it's kind of like cooking when you're out gardening you got to try something different if you're going to make it the best but you need to expect a few failures too well, this is a fun time of year here in the valley. This is citrus season. Our navels are ripe now, so it's the time of year you can go out and eat the navel oranges. The uh, the lemons are good. The grapefruits are getting there. Tangelos are just around the corner. If you have early tangerines like Algerians, they're ready now. So if you've never, uh, if you're new to the valley and haven't tasted the citrus, this is a a great time to visit your neighbors and your friends and some of the local stores. We uh, we have citrus in uh, several local stores here now that you can come come sample. Our navels are getting in the stores. The, the Meyer lemons are in the stores. Leather lemons are kind of lemons, but we do have the Meyer lemons. And I'd like to mention a few of them there. They're wonderful to work with. We have them at uh, the, well, probably Whole Foods. You can get them at Sprouts. You can get them at Albertsons, Safeway, Bashes next week. Um, navels are kind of rolling out into the stores. Now Tangelo season's a couple weeks away, and we thank all these people for supporting us with our citrus. And, uh, you know, it's a fun thing to do. We have uh, one of the only really kind of major citrus packing sheds, and we're far from major. You know, we're, we're smaller citrus growers. We're certainly not Sunkist or Limonera. But we have an awful lot of fun growing our citrus here in the Valley. We have groves in the East Valley and groves between here and Hyder. And, uh, you know, our specialty is we're converting everything to organic, but um, also growing these Meyer lemons. And I'm sitting here, as I do every morning, with my glass of Meyer lemon juice. And uh, it's quite tasty this time of year. Anyway, whatever your thoughts for growing something tasty at home, give us a call, 602-277-5827. The sun's going to be up in a little while. We'll give it another 20 minutes or so. But um, if you're the early bird caller... um, you can you can catch the worm. We're going to give the first caller of the day a free, you know, we'll make it fun. We have five lines. We'll give away five citrus trees. So for the first five callers of today, uh, you can get a free citrus tree. Now, we'll need you to stay on with uh, 
with Shira and give her your number so that we can track you down. But, you know, we're not going to give you a little baby tree. At Woodfields, we don't really grow small citrus. We don't grow them in little five-gallon containers. Our youngest tree would be one in a 15-gallon container. And the nice part about citrus here in the Valley this time of year is you can come in the stores and taste the fruit. So the first five callers, just give Shira a call, and you will get a free fit citrus tree. You can pick it up at any one of our nurseries. Our original nursery is at 824 East Glendale Avenue. You know, it's a fun place. It's got my grandparents' adobe house right in the middle of it. And when we started, when I was young, I used to run a fruit stand there with my grandmother right out on Glendale Avenue. And uh, they moved there in the 1940s and built their adobe house from the backyard and had a lot of fun. And that property stays with us now for four generations and, and shall for a long time. So if you've never been there, it's a fun place to go. In the East Valley, we have our Whitfields at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley in Guadalupe. And... Uh, that uh, property's been around for quite a while with as well, since 1982. And uh, it was uh, Cooley's uh, property there at one time. And uh, Mr. Cooley, Eldon, was the, the mayor of Mesa one time. And Jeff and his sons were were, were good friends of ours. And uh, they were, we were able to buy it from years ago. And then we have a nursery at 26470 Southern Avenue. Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And those of you who might have known Dave Kazan and uh, Tip Top Nursery in its day, uh, Dave was a gentleman and sold me that property back in about 1980s. We've been around here in the Valley for a long time. And uh, my grandfather, like I said, they started over in the 40s on Glendale. So we have a lot of fun, a lot of history, growing citrus and, uh, you know, and growing trees for her, our future in Arizona. Take our first caller this morning, Jose and Phoenix. Good morning, Jose. Hello, Jose. Well, Jose, I'm going to put you back on hold, but we won't take your position away because you... Jose, you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, good morning. Oh, good morning, sir. How are you? Wonderful. Fantastic. Hey, I have a question that I'm a long-time listener now. Um, and I think I know what the answer would be, but I have uh, a ficus tree that was gifted to me. It's only uh, um, a five-gallon in a five-gallon bucket. I would want to plant it. Now, I know you would probably say wait until March, but I'm still going to call and be like, maybe there's an opportunity for me to plant this guy. Well, you can plant it now if you're willing to protect it, but it would be better to wait, you know, until our last frost, and it's typically February 15th, depending on where you're located, Jose. But, um, okay. you know, we're not bringing a lot of ficus from our one farm around to the other stores right now because we have a wind machine there. They're easier to protect. And um, so we do what we can to protect them. So that, that kind of makes a difference. But, you know, as far as, as far as yours at home, it's safer to plant it in March. If you want to plant today, plant it. And... Um, just be prepared to protect it in case it gets cold. We've had really nice weather so far this uh, this year. And it's, it's, you know, and that is true. I've been getting kind of confused with the weather because it's beautiful rains, and then it's not so hot, it's not so cold. I'm getting confused. I, I keep forgetting I live in Phoenix, and you know, um, but but I absolutely love it. And I, I was just thinking maybe with the weather being the way it is, maybe I can plant it early. But I think you're right. I'll probably just wait. That way I don't have to protect it as much. Well, whatever you decide to do, but you know, this this weather coming with all this moisture straight from the west, not from the north, has been quite conducive to growing trees here. So enjoy your season, uh, Jose, and uh, congratulations on being a citrus tree winner. Hey, thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Take care. Bye-bye.
Oh, let's see. Next up we have, let's see. Looks like Edna and Scottsdale. Good morning, Edna. Good morning, Brian. Hi. Uh, I can't, I'd like to ask you if I may, let me turn the radio down. Uh, I would like to ask you about my uh, uh, rosemary plant. I bought it, I bought it, brought it, planted it about 15 to 20 years ago, and it's just sort of fallen apart, you know, to the, but it's still green on the ends, and recently it was blooming. Uh, can I transplant it, or should I just cut it back, or how can I shape it up? <laughs> well, it gets pretty hard with rosemary when they get that old. What you could do is you could leave part of it full and intact so it still has something to feed itself and butcher maybe two-thirds of it away and see if it'll regenerate some new buds down below and reduce its size. But that may or may not work. Rosemaries, when they get that old and if they've gotten really large and when you prune them back, oftentimes a lot of the wood will die and won't come back out because those buds won't regenerate underneath but you know it's worth trying and uh, the nice part about rosemary is there's plenty available and not very expensive now what about uh propagating is it possible to propagate some of those uh roots? yeah if that one's uh, well not from the roots actually rosemary are usually grown from tip cuttings so the little tips and the oh, ends tip. of the branches yeah and you can just take the tips and if you have some warm soil soil around 70 degrees or a little warmer uh you would just take short stems about uh, half the diameter of a pencil and tip those in rooting hormone make the cuttings about two to three inches long probably easiest to do in february and you can certainly propagate rosemary it's not hard to do oh very good well thank you brian i i've listened to your program probably of what 25 or 30 years now well we've, we've been, on, quite been a on the radio uh over 30 yeah i don't remember exactly over 30 yeah i was trying to remember how long it's been well, thank you for all your knowledge and, and helping everybody. We really appreciate it. Well, Ed, I'm here to learn every week as, as everyone is. I mean, that's, you know, I've got a friend that I work with who's 93, and he says, you know, we learn something new every day, and, and hopefully we can. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you for the plant. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Ed. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have a couple open lines. A number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Oh, when I was a little bitty baby, mama would rock me in the crib. In them old cotton fields around home. It was down in Louisiana, just about a mile from in them old cotton fields back home When them cotton get rotten You can't pick them but cotton In them old cotton fields back home It was down in Louisiana Just about a mile from Texas camp In them old cotton fields back home Well, Mr. Leadbelly, he wrote that song at the... We're having a little technical difficulties with our version, but uh, quite quite a talented person that led Billy. Let's see, we're going to get back to the phones, and we got uh, three more trees on the on the giveaway. And after that, well, we're glad you're calling anyway. Uh, next up, Kathleen in Phoenix. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning. Hi. 
Hi, I was just calling because um, I'm excited about my citrus tree. Honestly, <laughs> well, <laughs> at least you stayed in the line because if you don't stay in the line, you don't get the citrus tree. That's how it works. But uh, I woke up early, started listening to your show, and I don't have any questions yet. I might call back later. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen, that's fine, and congratulations. Have a nice day. <laughs> Thank you. Bye bye, uh, Mary and Scottsdale. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Brian. Let's see. I did want to ask. About scorpions, because Uh I've just been discovering scorpions, like, for the last year in my backyard. Like, well, I do have, I don't know, just under boxes and under different things sitting in the backyard. Uh Uh-huh. Like, oh, so what I do is I just sort of take it out in the street and smash it. But I'm just trying to get rid of any clutter that I have. And I'm just wondering, what would you recommend for getting rid of? Well, if you have them coming in the house, diametaceous earth works pretty well with them tracking through it. That's fairly lethal for them. And, uh, you know, if you just have a few. Now, have you lived in this home for quite a while? Uh, yes, since 2001. And this is the first time you found scorpions? Yeah, it actually is. In the last year, yeah. I haven't really seen them in my yeah. yard before. Well, they may have come in with, you know, they could come with, with just any kind of thing. Somebody might have moved some furniture in, or we had a neighbor in Sunny Slope that moved an old tractor in one time, and they came in, I think, with the tractor. But to eliminate scorpions, kind of one of the fun things to do is get some kids and go night hunting with a sword, and they do reflect in a black light. And scorpions live a long time, so if you go out and knock out a big percentage of the population, you could really thin them down without using chemicals. And, and often if you have young people on a sword, they have a good time doing so. Go scorpion hunting at night. But to keep them away from com- coming indoors, diametaceous earth works pretty well around the doorbells or doorways. And then, um, you know, you can spray for them as well. But they're kind of hard to spray and kill because of where they hide. Wow. Okay, diametaceous earth? Diametaceous earth. So what that is, it's little diametons, and if they track through it, it gets caught in their joints, and it punctures their body cavities, and they leak out and die. Okay, and then so I would use a black light? Well, the black light to use, yeah, and that's usually, that's, you know, some people just enjoy the sport of, of scorpion hunting, but you can buy a black light at most hardware stores, and if you go out at night, and if there are scorpions, you'll see them in the walls or trees, and they glow. Wow. Just like the 70s when there was the black light lamps and the, you know, the posters. Oh, I see. So, diabetes is earth, so does that spray? No, it's basically a powder, and you put it on the ground, and if they walk through it, it's yeah. lethal for them. Yeah, you said they want And it's it safe for you, and it's safe for, you know, it's only going to kill certain insects. You think that it's, would hurt cats at all? No, it's very safe for cats. That, that's that's wow. just a good non-chemical way to get rid of them. And uh, like I say, the other thing is just hunting them at night. And uh, they, they will be out, yeah. not so much this time of year when it's colder. Well, they might now because it's been pretty warm and wet. But, you know, typically in the summertime, they'll be out and easy to find at night. Mary, thanks for the call. And uh, oh, congratulations. Okay. Well, thank you. Did thank you have you another question? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I did want to ask uh, about one time on your show, maybe about three months ago, you mentioned something about bringing water over, how you thought it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. And do you think that's something 
that they'll work on? I mean, well, I, I certainly hope so. You know, the hard part, Mary, about bringing water from different rivers and streams and things and building dams is is politics. And whether, you know, water can cross over a different state, you have to get the state to work with you. Um, you know, damming rivers, there's a lot of different thoughts and ideas on that. But as far as practicality and the reality of any kid that's ever been out and played in the water or any of us who started irrigating when we were five years old is you can move and transfer transition water fairly inexpensive and easily compared to other sources like RO and different things. And and we don't really have a source for water to do RO here in Arizona. We would have to bring it from a foreign country. So, you know, for the state of Arizona and much of the West, you know, what's worked very well historically, and for we're talking not just when the Europeans came, but for the last, you know, several thousand years has been damming irrigation canals. And that's been done for a long time, hence the name Phoenix. And uh, so moving water to the direction in which we can farm is typically the least expensive way and the most economic way. Like I say, it has political boundaries, but it certainly has good results. And that's how it's been set up. That's why we came here and started farming in Phoenix. Though Tucson areas have been farmed consistently for 4,000 years, the degree and the amount of agriculture here in the valley for the last thousand years was tremendous and probably more than any place in the United States. And the reason why is because our climate grows good crops and because water was scarce and needed to be protected. So hopefully there's a lot of people uh, in the light that want to protect our water, use water, move water. And uh, it's going to take a team effort to be successful. But I have a lot of faith in humans. Yeah, well, that's great. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I appreciate you explaining Everything. I thought the governor had sort of talked about doing something. Well, the governor put aside a billion dollars for a water plan, but they really don't have a plan as such. Okay, so what he was doing is putting away money that we can use to develop a plan, really. So whether we're going to try and and utilize different things that we have and manage things differently and use part of that money to do that. But hopefully a lot of that money goes to the research, too, on the best way to develop our water and to maintain it. Oh, thank you very much. Thank Thanks, you. Mary. I really appreciate you explaining everything. Bye-bye. Well, the, the hard part, Mary, is we can't buy water. You know, No matter how much money we throw at it, money's not necessarily the solution. It's management and usage and, and working together as a team. Now, all those things do take money, but it's going to take creative minds and, and people working together, as it has here for the last thousand years, to farm. I see. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, Pete and Buckeye. Good morning, Pete. Hey, good morning, Brian. I have two peach trees, a desert gold and a Florida prince. And, you know, the crop comes in about May. Uh, Is it a good time to fertilize peach trees? And is it a good time to fertilize St. Augustine? And is it a good time to fertilize a citrus tree? Well, it's a little earlier than we would normally fertilize, Pete. And the reason why is like last year's a good example. Last year for our citrus trees, we didn't have any frost in our groves at all until the third week of January. And at that time, like our lemon trees were in bloom. And so it 
cooked the blooms off the trees, and, and our crop was uh, a little smaller this year because that happened. So that's why we okay. typically don't fertilize the you know the citrus now. If you're fertilizing stone fruits and if the foliage is already fallen, it's fine. They're really not going to pick up the fertilizer or use it until for another three or four weeks or tw- when they come into bloom. But the other okay. part is if you put it down and it rains three or four times, you're losing some of the value of the fertilizer you put down. So there's no hurry on that either. And for your St. Okay. Augustine now, because it is a perennial, you could fertilize it. And if you put some 21714 lawn fertilizer on it, if you're going to have a Super Bowl party, it's going to be greener. Okay. 171717 17, is that well, good? 21714 you know all those are going to be similar but some of the best yeah. ones that are manufactured here are, are like a 21714 Okay, so it's right, higher in right. nitrogen, doesn't need as much phosphorus because it's a lawn, the potash helps. But a lot of those, yeah. too, also include uh, iron and uh, sulfur. And it, the iron and sulfur are very beneficial for our soils here in the valley. Right, okay. Uh, citrus tree, do I get... Did I get the last one? You got the know. last one, Pete. We gave five away now. Now, somebody called didn't get on the air, so unfortunately, they didn't get a tree because you have to be on the air to get a tree, but uh, they, I'll, we'll, I'll call them after the show anyway. But, Pete, congratulations, and come out and see us. Probably the easiest one for you will be South Phoenix and uh, the one on yeah. Southern and 26th Street, and they'll know all about them when you get there. Okay. Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you. Have a great day. You too, Pete. Bye-bye. Happy New Year. Yeah, you as well. Uh, Let's see. Next up, we have Rhonda in Phoenix. Good morning, Rhonda. Good morning. Um, I have a couple of questions. Thank you for doing the show, by the way. I've learned a lot. Um, We have a Bermuda lawn, and it has – we always have challenges with weeds because we have irrigation that comes in, Mm -hmm. and um, I'm constantly fighting with the – the spur type weeds. Okay. I, and so I was wondering, is there any particular thing that I can put on those to help reduce those? Because I pull them, pull them, and pull them, and they seem to just keep proliferating. Well, now you you don't, Rhonda, you don't plant a winter lawn. You don't plant ryegrass. We do not. Okay. Correct. So you want to right away, and you might be a little late already. You want to put down a pre-emergent. And uh, the pre-emergent is going to stop, you know, a lot of the spring weeds from coming up. But the problem Uh is this weather has been so warm and so wet, we've noticed a lot of germination already. Um, But if you put down a pre-emergent, if the weeds are still real tiny, it will stop them. If the weeds have had any size and the roots down any depth, then it's not going to stop them. And then what you'd want to do is probably go ahead and put the pre-emergent down now because that's going to stop more seed from germinating. But spray with a contact herbicide like a 2,4-D product like Weed Be Gone. And that's a selective herbicide that won't harm your Bermuda grass at all, but it'll kill these weeds. So if you see these small weeds coming up over the next week or two, um, go ahead and spray them with 2,4-D. And it's much easier to kill a weed when it's really small than when it's large. It takes a lot less chemical and a lot less effort. So now is the perfect time to spray with a 2,4-D and a pre-emergent. And if you've had problems for like several years now and got a lot of seed built, up, what I would do is put a pre-emergent down again, uh, like the middle of April, and then September. And in one good course of pre-emergent, your lawn will tend to get thicker and you'll have less weeds. And you might have to put a little bit on for the next couple of years to completely eliminate them. But once the lawn gets dense enough um, and, you, and the weeds haven't got in the cycle like they do on an irrigated lawn, um, you'll find that you won't have near as many to f- contend with. Okay. 
And then what do you recommend? What kind of pre-emergent do you recommend? Uh, Pendamethalin is a good one. You get it's Pendulum brand, and and that's a good one. There, there's different types. There's granulars and there's there's liquids, but uh, that that's one that we use quite a bit around the nursery and have pretty good success with. Okay. And then the other question I have is, I have um, on the north side of our property, we have a block wall fence. Uh-huh. And I was looking at maybe um, putting a raised bed. It's probably about 30 feet across. Um, and I was um, concerned, obviously, we get a lot of sun. Uh-huh. So from probably 9 o'clock in the morning till probably 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that area gets sun. And so I was debating whether I could put any, like, um, you know, plants, herbs, that type of stuff, or whether I need to go to a hardier type of plant. Well, you know, so the, the so it's going to be the south side of the wall, the walls on the north side of the property? Correct. That's really the easiest place you can possibly garden. And what makes it special is that in the middle of the summer, the sun goes past north. So that area actually is going to be shaded for about two feet uh, from the wall in the middle of the summer, so about the first week of uh, June till about the third week of July, that area is not going to have the real intense sun. And typically here, that's when we have our hottest, driest temperature that do the most damage. And so that being said, it's a great place if you want to grow color, you know, and if you want to grow some vegetables spring and fall, they'll do really well there. You know, it's hard to grow a lot of things here in the summer, but if you enjoy okra, I mean, there are, there are things that can be grown here through the summer. And if you can keep the... Um, white flies off you can grow you know great melons here all summer long too okay awesome well Rhonda thanks for the call have a nice weekend bye bye and let's see it looks like uh, Mr. Barrett Mr. Troy Barrett is here in the newsroom so we're going to find out what's happening we'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show in the meantime sure has got a couple lines available at 602-277-5827 277-KTAR Sunny slope couldn't be any prettier. And there are some high clouds out there. It's nice to see. Makes the sun reflecting just even that much prettier. Uh, back to the phones. We have Susan, Andrea, Trey, and then it could be you. The number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Good morning, Susan and Glendale. Good 
Good morning, Brian. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for asking. Good. Good. Hey, you told me a couple of years ago about how to do my pomegranates. I have two pomegranate trees, and I've got the most amazing, huge pomegranates this year, probably because of the rain. The only problem is that they've are, got cracking, and they have like a black, um, dusty stuff on them. Is it okay? And it's it's not going inside with the seeds, but is it is that black stuff okay? Yeah, it's not going to hurt anything on the outside. I mean, it's just like, you know, that's a nice part about fruit that come in nice little packages like citrus and pomegranates. And as long as it's not compromised, as long as you don't break through the rind, it's going to be fine. And and to maintain that better, you know, fruit like that, make sure that, uh, you know, you water well in the heat of the summer, especially in June. And yeah, the, I used to start watering in June, um, June, July, and August. Uh-huh. But, so now yeah, would be an excellent time to prune so them. Big. Well, that's it's yeah. a lot of that we have had just phenomenal weather. You know that that mm-hmm. monsoon we had the second half of the summer was fantastic, and uh, I could never recall plenty of times rain like this. But typically, the rain would always be coming more from the north, and now our rain is coming and swirling out of the west, which is really nice because it's about ten or fifteen degrees warmer than it would be if the rain were coming. From the north, you know, years ago I used to work at the fish market um, upstairs, and all of our monsoons would come from the west and head east. But it's funny that you said that because somebody was saying that the other day, and I remember those black clouds rolling in because the fish market faced north, and the black clouds started coming in. <laughs> the fish from market the right west. there on Camelback. Yeah, the backside of it upstairs. Sure, yeah, the upstairs. That, that, that was that was my favorite restaurant, Susan. I was the top market waitress. So, <laughs> yeah, I love that place. Um, that was one of my questions. And the other question is now a good time to prune that pomegranate tree way back. It's absolutely the perfect time. And what you want to do is you want to pick out anywhere from three to five main stems on the base and thin everything else that's coming out of the ground out probably to a height of about four or five feet. And if it's getting large, if it's up over, say, 10 feet, you could cut the top back to about eight feet Mm -hmm. and thin it out. That'll make it easier to harvest and you'll get better quality fruit for next year. Well, I've been doing what you said, and I got great fruit this year. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for for calling, Susan. Have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Andra and Phoenix, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Um, I have a question about figs. Are they considered native to Arizona? Well, not the figs that we eat. There are figs that I know. The closest native ficus tree I can think of is in San Carlos, Mexico. And there's a little rock fig tree that's really cool that grows in the mountains around San Carlos. But I can't think of any native fig varieties that grow here in Arizona. And the figs that uh, that we eat, you know, pretty much are Mediterranean. And they came from the Fertile Crescent and they've all been in production four or 5,000 years. So it's one of the original, you know, Right. products that, that uh, has been in you know, production for that long. And there's lots and lots of varieties, but they do very well here. Do they require a lot of water? A uh, moderate amount. I mean, figs can be fairly drought tolerant, believe it or not. But, you know, traditionally in most soils here in the valley, you're going to water at least weekly in the summertime and once every right. couple weeks in the spring and the fall. 
Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, and enjoy your figs. Now, one little pointer for figs this time of year is for some reason, I don't know why, they like cow manure or steer manure better than any other plant I've ever been involved with. And if you have figs figs you're growing at home, this is a good time of year to work in some organic, uh, like cow or steer manure, in around the trees. And you really get the rewards back in the spring when when they're going to produce figs. Okay. Well, thank you again. Thank you, Andrew. Bye-bye. Well, let's see. Next up, we've got Trey and Gilbert, but after Trey, it's wide open. we got three lines available. The number to call, 602-277-5827. We have Shira back here smiling on the phones. Uh, Trey, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Excellent, sir. Thanks for asking. So, big fan of Whitfield. Been going there for many years. But I've got a question today. I live in Gilbert, and it used to all be alfalfa fields. And alfalfa just seems to permeate my lawn. And I'm wondering if you have any advice. <laughs> well, here's kind of a trick with alfalfa. Alfalfa is not grass, right? So you can no. spray alfalfa with 2,4-D, which is like weed be gone. Okay, and it will kill alfalfa and it won't kill grass. And it's uh, especially easy to do if you'll just not mow for a while, you know, especially coming on the early part of the season. So you don't have any ryegrass, right? You just have the alfalfa coming up? No, I have ryegrass too. Okay. Well, you can spray you can spray right over the ryegrass and kill the alfalfa, but the alfalfa will be easier to kill kill when it grows a little more. Yeah, but the problem with the weather we're having right now, you skip watering on on ryegrass, it doesn't make any difference. The ground's wet enough; it's just going to all grow together. But you can spot spray with two four D or weed be gone type products uh, and kill alfalfa and not hurt grass. I'll give it a go. Thank you so much. Take care, Trey. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, Mr. Michael in Mesa. Hi, Mike. Hello, Brian. Uh, you know, we got a, got a problem here with my yard. It's it's me against them. And <laughs> I was just listening to the previous call. It's the weeds. Uh, mm-hmm. obvious, obviously, with all the rain we've been having, anything that's green out there is a weed or clover or whatever. And I'm wondering, uh, can I start? Can I or should I spray the yard now to kill all these weeds and, and broadleaf weeds as well? Or is it too early and too cold for that? And no, what Mike, should I do? absolutely you should go after them right now. You know, it's far easier to kill a weed than the inch tall than one that's six feet tall. And things like yeah. mallow grow, you know. They're nuclear right now. You see the green right. big stuff coming up in the lot, so you're a little late to kill it. You know the original shot, but it's a good time to get after it. In fact, we have some of our areas we're going to have to go after weeds this week too. And I would have liked it to have gotten them a little earlier, but we've been so busy with the citrus this week, I haven't. But at any rate, what I would do spray a two four D type product and a pre emergent. You can mix those together. And and, and the sooner you put it on, the better you're going to be because it's a lot easier to kill them at a half inch tall than a foot tall. Can I, thank you. But can I, I, I don't know if I, uh, I usually shop down there at the Home Depot and uh-huh. I don't know, uh, can I use that Roundup product that's in the green jar that says kills, kills weeds, but not the lawn? Well, all, the um, 
I'm not exactly sure what the configuration is on that one, you know. But the, okay. but the one thing I know, okay, and I know these. You know, if you look for a, a product, you need a pre-emergent, okay, and you don't yeah. want to use anything like a ground clear or anything that says it's like a long-term thing that kills everything. Uh, Ortho's right. got some formulations on those, and they're exceedingly detrimental to plants and trees, and they can cause yeah. all kinds of trouble in your garden. So if you used a contact herbicide, okay, and when we're using a contact herbicide, something just to kill broadleaves, the safest ones are 2,4-D. Now, 2,4-D is, you know, that's the Agent Orange that was sprayed in, you know, in Vietnam. So it's not a wonderful thing. You don't want to get it on your body or those kind of things. But it's truly far safer than many of these other configurations that they have in chemicals that we know what mm-hmm. to expect from it and what it's going to do. And it's very safe to use when the temperatures are cooler. So as long as it's below 85 degrees, it works really well. You wouldn't want to put a 2,4-D product anywhere in your yard when the temperature is over 85 and you always want to read the labels and the labels are going to tell you this exact thing and then when you look for a a pre-emergent there's different pre-emergents you can use and a lot of the liquids can be blended with you know other chemicals and it'll say on the right on the the chemical what you can Mm -hmm. do and if not it's always a good idea to call the manufacturer they have all these scientists work on these formulations (laughs) that can tell you what to expect now i don't know how they managed to come up with some of these ones that are so toxic and damage as many plants as they do, I honestly am a little mm-hmm. frustrated that they sell the products. I don't think they should be sold. Yeah. But there are some very good products to work. 2,4-D with the pre-emergent this time of year is going to kill most all the all the young weeds pretty easily, and you're going to stop the seed from germinating. So now is the perfect time to apply. Okay. Is 2,4-D the product name or what's in it's it? It's the active ingredient. Okay. So okay. one one would right. be Weed Be Gone, but it's it's not proprietary, so it's used in a lot of different chemicals. But if you look on mm-hmm. the label and you see the active ingredient is 2,4-D, okay, That's a yeah. com- it's a common formula and, and it works well. Okay. Well, you got, if you got time, one more quick question. Um, I'm looking to uh, pump out my pool because the uh, acid level is too high and it's binding up the chlorine and blah, blah, blah. That's what the pool guy told me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, can the chlorine levels in the pool, I was planning on like flood irrigating the yard, not at the same time as what I'm going to do to kill the weeds, but uh, flood irrigating the yard and, and my bushes and trees and everything and using the water. Is it safe or is the chlorine levels too high? Well, um, Scott, you know, my, my chlorine dissipates in the atmosphere, okay? The reason why you have to constantly add chlorine to your water is because it dissipates. So the chlorine mm-hmm. is going to be gone. If you haven't added chlorine for a week, there's not going to be any. Okay, the chlorine goes okay. away, especially in the summertime, but even this time of year. So what we worry about in pool water that's been there for a long time are the combined salts. And that's why we add acid to our pools and things, too. And, um, you know, and if you if you're if you're water super alkaline in your pool, what you could do is you can add more pool acid to the water before you pump it out and put it on everything, and that's going to help it penetrate better. And so if you'll balance okay. if you'll balance your pH before you pump your pool out, that water is not going to be near as harmful as if it was real salty and you hadn't added anything or done anything to it for several months. I see. So the alkaline level being high would be detrimental, but the chlorine dissipates, right? Yeah. It would be okay. Mm-hmm. 
All right, yeah, I want to use that water instead of just pumping it all down the drain. Well, water's okay. valuable here. The nice part about water, if it does go down our drain, it gets recycled and, uh, and reused yes. to a big extent. Mike, thanks for the call. Have a nice weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with uh, Anna, Mike, and Scott. And if you'd like to be after Scott, all you have to do is call. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTR is Shira Bryan and Toy with the, with the news here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTAR. This is Brian, and welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Want to invite out to Whitfields? You know, Whitfields, we grow trees, all kinds and all sizes. Started with my grandparents back in the 40s, continue on today for four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size, come out and see us. We grow wonderful citrus. And this time of year, you could taste some of the fruit, you know, right off the trees in the nursery. And uh, we don't sell little baby citrus, 15 gallons and larger, but beautiful citrus. We have great desert trees like Mesquite's Palo Verdes. We have the... Um, American mesquite, which is a really nice hybrid, other really hardy desert type plants, things like fruitless olives, Swan Hills and Wilson Eye olives that uh, really love the heat, love the desert, evergreen, do fine here and don't have the mess and the pollen of an olive tree. But whatever your dream, whether it be tropical, things like, you know, the exotic palms we have, you could come and take a look at one of our mule palms. It looks like a coconut. Whatever your dreams, come out and see us. We deliver plant and guarantee. We're licensed, bonded, insured. No jobs too big. None's too small. If you need a thousand palm trees, by all means, come and see us. We're Arizona's largest grower of landscape palms. Uh, whatever your dreams. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe. Or 2647 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. Woodfield Nursery, now for four generations. Growing trees here for Arizona's future. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've, we've got to get the right order. We've got Ann and Sun Lakes. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. Thanks for your uh, show. I listen to it every Sunday morning. Uh, I have ryegrass coming up in the gravel of three different <laughs> homes. Uh-huh. And they. Uh, the trouble here is that they, of course, feed all of the golf courses. And why that seed doesn't stay on the golf courses and it <laughs> migrates to my gravel, I don't know. But I don't want green gravel. So okay. that's my first problem. So, the other one is I planted... Hello? Yeah, um, we're listening. Oh, I... I, I planted five five gallon oleander for privacy in one of the uh, rentals. And when is a good time to prune those? Two of them are bushier 
three of them are taller. The taller ones, I want to be bushier. So, so the when, best the best time to prune, prune those, when, Anna, as far as if if, if you they're not going to grow back right now. It's too cool. Okay, so if you don't right. mind them looking pruned, you could prune them right now. It's not going to harm them either. But typically, we okay. would prune those about the first of March because you know almost immediately after we prune them, they're going to start to fill in. And if you want to keep those wider and tighter, what I would do is trim them narrower at the top and wider at the base. And if you'll do that, they'll be denser and, and fuller for a screen. Now, with your grass, one one trick is is that right before before they come down and put on all the ryegrass next year, if you would spray uh-huh. pre-emergence down in September, they're usually going to put the rye on the golf courses, you know, somewhere in there. But find out when they're going to start putting the rye. As soon as you see the courses scalped, and that's when you know the rye is going to come in, put down a pre-emergent, uh-huh. and that'll keep any seed that falls on top of your gravel from germinating. For what's there right now, the easiest way to kill is Roundup or just glyphosate. Okay. 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 That's I, I've been spraying Roundup, so well, I'll just that's keep the doing easiest, that. Probably the safest and the best way to <laughs> eliminate it. But if you'll catch it early next year and put your pre-emergent down just before they put down the seed, you won't have any of it uh-huh. germinate. Thank you so much, Bye. and I you have a very happy New Year. You too, Anna. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> uh-huh. Bye bye. Oh, bye. Ah, let's see. Next, we've got Mike and Surprise. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Brian. I got uh, three what-would-you-do questions for snowbirds. Okay. Okay. The first one is just a a recommendation on what I use. I don't have any grass. I just have gravel. And what I've been using for the past few years is uh, it's a pre-emergent, and it's called Preen, P-R-E-E-N. And you've probably heard of it. I get the six-month variety. And since I'm not here for six months, I usually put it in, like, when I get back down here, you know, September, October, and then again in April or so. Uh, and it's a granule, and, of course, you just – it takes a little bit of work. You just uh, scatter it around, you know, just like you would salt and pepper, uh, and then just work it in with a little bit of water. Just spray your rocks. I know that sounds a little crazy. My neighbors say, what are you spraying your rocks for? But anyway, you work it in with a little bit of water, and hopefully that will take care of anything that is to come. But uh, then whatever's there already, I just use my uh, uh, my uh, vinegar, salt, dishwater, or uh, dish detergent uh, combination to get any uh, weeds that come up after that. Well, you know, that preen is, is, is a good pre-emergent, and uh, it, that's, the, that's, the perfect, that's the perfect recommended treatment. I, I think that's a great okay, idea. Okay, well, that... That might be a question that some people have, and I think it's a pretty good product compared uh-huh. to some of the others. It's it's a good product. A little pricier, okay, it's more th- gardens and things. Pardon? It's it's a little pricier to apply for a lot of area, but it, it's very effective, and it's a good brand. Yeah, yeah, for twice a year, it's not too bad. No. Uh, okay, my second question is on general vegetable uh, planting. Uh-huh. Uh, I usually... I usually don't like to start planting uh, uh, seeds, even though it's uh, ve- vegetable seeds in the garden that I've worked up in November and December, just simply because of the uh, ground temperature. I'd like it to be at around 65 degrees. And so sometimes you just have to have a little patience. And I know a lot of people that come down here, they get anxious to plant something. But uh, would you wait until... 
say, the middle of January to put your seeds in because I still have, like, three months down here to grow some, uh, you know, lettuce, arugula, greens. Well, uh, Mike, commercially else. here now, you know, really nobody plants seed anymore. You know, when you're going out to, unless you're doing microgreens and some different things, most all the larger, you know, lettuce and all those kind of things are all planted from sets. And, you know, so it's easier to plant the seed in a container and transplant it, you know, into the ground. And you can continually do that, you know, pretty much from the end of August, you know, all the way through January. So you can keep rotating crops of greens, you know, right through that whole season. Now, you can always plant root crops from seed. So if you want to plant carrots or radishes, you can plant those, you know, keep planting crops of those guys all the way through. But, um, you know, if you're going to plant seeds outside for lettuce and stuff, are a little trickier, and they'll definitely germinate. But what we used to do in the old days with my grandfather, we had little hot caps. So we had a little wax paper cap that we would put down over the plant, and it would encapsulate an area about 18 inches by 18 inches tall, and like a round little dome, and we'd put uh, dirt over the outside of it. So we're making a little mini greenhouse. And when we did that, we get a lot of germination for different things. So there are tricks like that you can do to germinate and expand your season. Mike, I, I got to tell you, we got to go because we got a, a hard break. We got to go to the news. But thanks for the call. And uh, thanks for the good analogy on the pre-emergence. That's exactly right. And the fact that you're putting water on, it's what it takes to inactivate it. And if you leave town and it doesn't rain for 100 days, all that pre-emergent you put down before you left was for naught. So that tip about putting the water on, it's critical. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here on 92.3 FM, KTAR.